part two of talking about the almighty dollar. Let me say, sometimes people think, well, this isn't very spiritual. But the reality is it's very spiritual because money really can get a grip on us, right? And the lack of money can put unnecessary stress and strain on us. So, you know, this last week, I'm just going to tell you, last week I filled up our car with gas. We'll stop and get some gas at Costco. Forgot about it. We're doing something else. We're driving back. I'm seeing the mileage going down like 10 miles to empty. Eight, eight, and we made it to Placerville, and it was down to seven miles to empty. How many of you guys have been in that position before? And so I went to get gas, and you know what? That gas station, I realized, doesn't even care about me. Because they wouldn't give me gas until I actually paid for it. How rude. Right? What's that? Ten cents extra, right? Like, I was so mad. You know what? I'm not going back to that gas station ever again. They just want my money, right? You know, and then a couple of weeks ago, you know, my wife and I, I like, um, probably me more than her, but really like Thai house restaurant over by the airport, you know, you can go in, have a great meal. They, you know, fill your water up, bring your food. They're so nice, conversation. And then they absolutely ruin the meal at the end by bringing us a bill. Does that ever make your stomach churn? Like, come on, you guys were so nice to us. I feel like they had an ulterior motive. I think it was just about the money. That was what was going on, right? Uh, then, this last week, we also needed groceries, right? So we went to the grocery store, got all of our stuff, people are nice, and go through the uh, cashier, and guess what? She expected money, right? And I, my clue should have been that uh, the job title was cashier, right? She wanted my cash. I'm like, I don't think they really care about you at all. I think they just want your money. How many of you would agree? So, how many of you know that kind of sounds ridiculous, you know, of course, we're going to have to deal with the money issue when you get gas, all of that. But how many of you know, when it comes to church, how many of you know people have got a different mindset, right? And when it comes to that, it's like, you know what? I've committed my life to Jesus. I don't cuss, steal, or, you know, whatever that, uh, but leave my money out of it. No, I don't talk about that, talk about anything else. Isn't it interesting that there is a disconnect today not just today, between faith and finances. And it's like those don't, one thing doesn't have anything to do with the other. Why are you talking about it? all the church wants is my money, right? Here's the thing. The thought is I go to church, I love God, but I'm not going to let that affect my finances and how I spend my money. Isn't that kind of crazy? Like my faith and finances are totally uh, disconnected. And this dis disconnect is not new. This has been going on for a long time. That's why Jesus taught so much about giving and stewardship. As a matter of fact, I think I shared this last week, 25% of his teaching dealt with wealth, possessions, or money. How many of you know it's a big issue? So in this series, I've, I'm teaching about three words that come with three simple principles that I believe will absolutely revolutionize your life, and I'm not overstating it that if we will apply these, it will change your financial future, 100%, completely. And if you're young, if you're, you know, if you're in your 20s or even early 30s, by the time you hit 60, 65, you may be a millionaire. If you apply these principles, I, I shared this again last week, I wish we would have learned that when we were younger, right? How many of you say, man, I wish I was smarter when I was younger. I wish somebody would told me the things that we're talking about, uh, if somebody would have like shared that, it would have made a whole world of difference, amen? So the concepts, they're very simple to understand, but it's a challenge to implement because what has happened is that this world that we currently live in, has given us an idea of what finances are supposed to be. A lot of us have adopted that, and so what has to happen is we got to tear down what the world has told us and rebuild it according to God. Tearing down and rebuild. It's easier if you're a kid and you start with the right foundation from the beginning. And that's why, I mean, with our kids, they're going to be going, they're going, I think you're starting today, they're going through the same concept that we talked about last week, uh, this week, and next week. Listen, if you have kids, grandkids, even if they're adults, teach them these principles. 
teach them because if you've ever been, and maybe you're at right now, a debt trap, how many of you know, you, don't you wish somebody would have told you about it before you got to it? Warned you about it. So teach your kids well, amen? I think that is so important. So last week, if you missed last week, I know I say this every week, but you can go back. It's on our, we have a podcast, we got YouTube, we got Facebook, we got our website. There's no excuse. If you've got internet, you can find last week's message. So, uh, but we covered the first word was obey. Like I said, if you missed it, if you want God's blessings in your finances, how many of you know you got to follow God's instructions? Right? There's no other way. It's not like, oh, I can figure this out. You know, a lot of people know this, but sometimes you may not directly think this, but in our actions, we're thinking, you know what? I can be disobedient in this and God will still bless me. Right? I can walk counter. Listen, we cannot intentionally disobey God without expecting any kind of repercussion. It just doesn't work. Did that ever work at your house? Oh, my parents said this, but I totally ignored it, and I didn't get in any trouble. No, that's not how that works. So we've got to follow the starting point we covered last week is simply tithing, giving God that first 10%. Obedience, friends, listen, you may do everything else right, but if you miss the foundation of a solid financial, you're saying, basically you're saying to God, God, I've got this, I'm going to handle it on my own, I don't need your help, and I don't need your blessings. Would any of us ever say that? No. So we've got to walk in obedience. The second word is pay. Everybody say pay. pay. I know this may sound crazy. Uh, it is kind of countercultural, but so is following Jesus. Right? Isn't following Jesus? Wait, oh, you're a Christian? Oh, man, that's so against our culture. Anybody ever been through, uh, what's the Dave Ramsey, Financial Peace University? Well, some of you, how many of you know he tells everybody to pay everything with what? cash. And some people do that, you know, and the idea of it is that, you know what, if I have to pay and I see that $50 or that $20 or that $100 leave my hand, you might think twice about that purchase. That's an idea. I mean, you can go with that if that works. It works for some people. It didn't really work for us because not a lot of people carry that kind of cash around anymore. The other option, and this is like, uh, everybody say if. Okay, if you can pay it off, if you get a good cash back credit card and you pay it off every month, that's not a bad idea. I mean, I'm just going to say, we, we switched to that a few years ago. Every single month, we pay everything with that, and uh, we get anywhere from 80 to $120 back every month. So we're trying to recoup all the money that when we were in debt to the credit cards, gonna, so they can pay us back. And they owe us big. I'm just going to say that. So, uh, but if you can't pay it off, don't do that. Don't go in that direction because how many of you have learned it only takes one month of just making the minimum payment for things to begin to snowball? Ah, I just couldn't do it this month. And then the next month, well, you know what? I can almost do it. And then the next month after that. And the next thing you realize, it's like, whoa, what happened? Right? What happened? Uh, if you can avoid, don't use consumer credit. And you're like, but Pastor Scott, how am I going to be able to pay all of my bills and still do everything I want? Let me just ask this. How many of you can do everything you want? Raise your hand. All right? Okay. Notice nobody's hand is up. Listen, you cannot do everything that you want. It's time that America gets a wake-up call. If you don't have the money, don't charge it. Right? That's the bottom line. Listen, with your kids, can I just give you a little bit of parenting advice? If you give them an allowance or you give them a little money and they're really wanting this thing, you know, oh, I want it. And you get to the store and they're like $10 short or $20 short, don't make up the difference. Because what happens is they see mom and dad or their credit card. Oh, you know what? I don't have enough money, but I still want it. So you just subsidize that and pay for that for me. No, teach them to save their money until they have enough money to get what they actually want. How many of you know that's kind of a novel idea? What? Make them actually do that because what happens is we start feeding that, well, I don't have enough money, so I'll just put it on the, on the card, right? That's not what it's for. We need to, and if, listen, if you can't do that, then there is the old-fashioned envelope system. Anybody ever use that? 
And that's not a bad idea. If you can't handle that, it's like, this is a budget. You know what? I've got so much for my car, so much for my gas, so much for credit card. Hopefully you pay that off. Savings, entertainment. How many of you know it's important to have something like that? All right, because if you don't, you're not going to stick to it. You're going to uh, rob something in order to have that. So uh, that's not a bad system. The reality is don't spend what you don't have. And I know you're like, well, duh. What, what is it called when you spend money that you don't have? What do we call that? All right, deficit spending, right? That's what the government operates on. And right now they're arguing, I think, I don't know if they've settled it or not, raising the debt ceiling. Doesn't, doesn't that sound ridiculous? It's like, I think the ceiling is so high, nobody can reach it right now. And it's like, well, we don't have enough money. We're still going to keep spending. So let's just raise the debt ceiling. I was watching, and it's like, well, of course we're going to raise the debt ceiling, but we're going to bicker, and, you know, it's going to happen. How many of you know, as a normal person, we can't just raise our debt ceiling? Right? Not, an, not and expect to live. We've got to actually spend within our means. I know that's crazy, but if you make $2,000 a month and you spend $2,200 a month, how many of you realize that's deficit spending? You do that again the next month, and then the next month, by the end of the year, now you're $2,400 in debt, not even counting interest. Here's the reality. When you practice deficit spending, you are accumulating debt. I know, this is such rocket science here. If you spend and borrow, this is what Americans do. We spend, we borrow as if I don't have to pay it back. How many of you know we got to pay it back? Right? It's just a reality. Here's some studies that I want to show you. Almost every troubled marriage, not all of them, but almost every troubled marriage, part of the issue is that they have high credit card debt as a factor. It's just a reality. Upwards to 90% of marriages that are having trouble also have high credit card debt. I'm not going to do a survey in here. One individual said that a, uh, credit card companies can predict. I don't know how true this is. I read it, and I'm putting it in here. It was on Facebook. No, it wasn't. But uh, <laughs> It says that they can predict with 98% accuracy two years in advance when a couple is going to be a, uh, get divorced based solely on their spending pattern. I don't know if that's concerning or, uh, to you or not, but the reality is that debt puts stress and strain on marriages. All right? Not, I mean, on any of us, actually, but, uh, and, and often you get in a situation, and maybe you've been there, I know we've been there, it's like, I don't know how it got this bad. I don't know how it got this high. What happened? It's like I blinked. We just put one thing on it. And, you know, and the next thing you put another thing on it. And all of a sudden you got this snowman monster growing and, and you don't know how to deal with it. If you ask the average person how much credit card debt you have, uh, if they do have that, how many of you know it's going to be higher than whatever they say? It just always is. It's, how, it's a reality. Uh, I looked this up this last week. Uh, TransUnion just came out with a report that total credit card debt in America in 2020 rose by 18.5%. Think about that. That means the American debt is, on credit card in America, $930 billion. How many of you know that's just short of a trillion? $600 million. That's how much debt Americans are carrying on their credit card. Now, not everybody has that, all that amount, but how many, that's a lot. And why did it rise 18.5%? It's because anybody noticed that this last year, things got more expensive? It's like all of a sudden, food costs, gas costs, all of that. But you know what? People didn't change their living. It's like, we're, you know what? Yeah, I don't make as much. And I'm, I was living, stressing it paycheck to paycheck as it was. So I didn't have enough money, so I just put it on a credit card. You know how, and I'm a math guy, I just want you to know, so I did some figuring here. This wasn't from a website, this is from my head, uh, but I did look up the average interest rate for a credit card is 20.9%. So on uh, the interest on 930.6 billion is $194 billion of interest. How many of you know that's a good time to be owning a credit card company? 
because they are raking in the money. That's like every year they're making, uh, you know, combined all of them together, $200 billion. That is why they can build the buildings that they do. Right? This is Bank of America. Not just this, but this, this, and this. And think about all the employees that are in there and all of the benefits. And you know what is paying for that? You. Yeah. The interest that you and I might, I don't have it, but if you do, uh, the interest on credit cards. That's covering it. So that's Bank of America. Check out Capital One. They're, they're like businesses booming for Capital One. So they have like future offices of Capital One they're building, residential tower that they're building, new Capital One headquarters. So they're just like, hey, listen, we got so much money. Let's keep building. Uh, here's Barclay. I don't know if any of you have that, but it, it's not this building or this building. It's this building right here. That's a pretty nice building. That's a lot of interest is buying that, right? That's coming out of our pockets, right? Here's Chase right here. Not those back there, but this one right here. That's some nice buildings there, right? How many of you realize that kind of debt is causing Americans a lot of great pain? A lot of great pain. Some of you here, and I don't know for sure, maybe you've been through a divorce that was caused by financial stress. Don't raise your hands if you have. I just know it's a reality in the world that we live in, and it's a huge strain, not only on marriages, but how many of you realize your health? It affects your health. It'll affect your, affect your family. You could be single, married, or divorced, but if you have high credit card debt, it's one of the biggest stresses most likely in your life. What am I going to do with that? So I want to challenge you today to change your thinking pattern about credit and about debt. Maybe you've already done that, but, but we have to change it to pay now instead of pay later. Because, you know, Capital One, what's in your wallet? Uh, your next building payment is in my wallet if I got that, right? <laughs> so we have to be careful. Proverbs 22, verse 7 says, The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. Isn't that true? Look how it says it out of the message. The poor are always ruled over by the rich, but I like this. Don't borrow and put yourself under their power. That's you and I doing that. We put ourselves under the power of others when we begin to get ourselves in debt. Jesus said this out of Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And I covered this briefly last week. That word money there, mammon, is actually a god of finances and money. And so why is it you can't serve God and that God of finance? And money becomes our God. It really does. Don't talk about that. Don't talk about that. Why are you so touchy about it if it's not got such a stranglehold on people? And, and listen, I know I'm not just talking to myself. This is a major issue that is going on. And not just a financial, like I said, it's a spiritual issue. Because it grabs a hold of our heart. Crushing credit card debt literally, friends, makes us slaves. It'll make us a slave. Where our decisions are determined not by the direction that God is giving us, but by the minimum monthly payment on our credit card. Oh, I don't know if I can. Well, I got this. I got to do that. Listen, friends, why am I covering this? I don't want you to be a slave. That's why I talk, we, we want to be free and free in Christ. Yes, spiritually we're free, but can I tell you, debt really is crushing. And, and many of you understand that because you've experienced it. And you may be saying, Pastor Scott, I'm not, I, know I've got, I know I've got this debt, uh, but I'm not really a slave. Well, let me give you a test here. How many times have you wished you could give it an offering only to realize you got a visa payment due? It's like, oh, yeah, well, I can't make it this week. Maybe next month. Right? Maybe I'll do it next month. How many times have you sensed God's direction for you to bless someone, but you've not been able to because of your massive debt? Man, I'd really love, I'd really love to bless, or, or delayed God's call on your life because of your debt. Listen, that sounds like a slave. I'm stuck to this. How, how do you know if you're a slave? I got a simple test. I didn't come up with this, uh, but I liked it, so I'm giving it to you. It's actually on the uh, 
right side of your bulletin, but I'm going to put it, and I'm going to ask you, you don't have to raise your hand or say anything out loud because we don't, we don't want to know this is between you and God or you and your spouse and God, uh, but if I want you to answer yes in your mind. Just keep that tally as we go through it. So if you have a problem with credit cards, number one, I've taken a cash advance from one credit card to make a payment on another. Think about that. Did you answer yes on that? Number two, I'm not sure how many credit cards I have. Don't look in your wallet or billfold to find out, okay? <laughs> like, yeah, I know I got several of them, uh, but I'm not really sure how many I got. Uh, number three, I'm not sure exactly how much I owe because this is a reality. I, like I said, I'm talking from experience here. Once you start owing in that snowball, you don't even want to look at it anymore. All right, you don't even want to look at it. It's like, okay, let me just pay the minimum. I don't want to even think about it. Uh, number four, I dread going to the mailbox or I hurry to the mailbox so my spouse won't see the credit card bill. <laughs> so you guys are laughing because this stuff happens, right? Oh man, I better hide that one right there. Did the credit card bill come in? No, I didn't see no credit card bill. You, you, maybe they didn't send it to us this week. Uh, or a month, I guess, not a week. Lord help us, right? Uh, number five, I am making only the minimum monthly payment. How many of you, if you've seen that, if you've had credit card debt, they're like, if you keep making the minimum monthly payment, it's going to take you 486,000 years to pay this off, right? Okay, that might have been a little stretch there, but if you only make the minimum monthly payment, you're never going to pay that thing off. That's how they build the buildings that they do. Just, yeah, just keep making that, and what you're doing is basically paying for their next building. All right, you're paying, and so, anyway, let me move on. Number six, I pay my credit cards on the final day. Right, oh man, you know what, oh, it's due, I better pay it now. Don't raise your hand, but just answer it in your head. Number seven, I am optimistic that one day all of this debt will be gone, but I just don't have a plan. How many of you know you're not going to wake up one day and like, poof, it's gone? It doesn't happen that way, right? Next one, number eight. When it comes to money, I'm on an emotional roller coaster. How many of you like roller coasters? Just not that kind. Right? That's the one you want to get off of. That's all I'm saying. Uh, number nine, credit card debt is causing a significant strain in my marriage. And then uh, number 10, I play the balance transfer game. Transferring balances from one credit card to another in order to avoid payment. Oh, oh that, how many of you know that's actually closely related to the interest rate game? They send out the cards like, transfer your balance and there's no interest for the next nine months or 12 months or whatever it may be. And, and then and you're like, oh, great, then I can pay off some of it. And then you never really do. Right? It's just a game. It's, it's, a, it's a circle that we just keep going around and around and around and around. So if you answered yes to one of those, you might have a problem. Maybe not. I forgot how many cards I had, but I paid them off. Uh, if you answered yes to three or more of the questions, how many of you know you definitely have a problem? Well, I've only got three. But if you answered five, how many of you know you are in crisis? You're in a crisis. So we need to talk about this because, again, it is a spiritual. Many people are slave to the wrong master. We want to be submitted unto God. We want to be able to follow God. If God says go, that we can go. Not like, God, not now. I still got this. All right? This thing has anchored me, and I'm not free to do the things that God has called me to do because I still have this anchor. How many of you see this is more of a spiritual issue than we ever give credit to it? something we got to talk about. So today, I want to talk to two groups of people. Number one, the group that's not in debt, that doesn't have all of that. Uh, you don't use credit cards, either that or you pay them off every month, uh, or maybe you just didn't qualify for the credit. Listen, if you didn't, don't get it. Pay cash, pay the full balance every month. Don't let Visa, MasterCard, or American Express become your master. Anybody ever think about MasterCard? has become your master. Listen, if you can't pay for it now, don't get it. Trust me. And you, you know, some people say, well, everybody's got better stuff than me. They got a better phone. They got a better this. Uh, if you will follow God's plan, one day you'll have better stuff than them. And guess what? You'll actually own it. It'll actually be yours. So, and, and not only that, listen, if you have people in your life, you got brothers, sisters, kids, somebody that, that is struggling in this, 
uh, share this message with them and have them watch it because sometimes all you needed to do is hear some of the truth about how debilitating debt is in order for you to begin to make the right decisions. Amen. Second one, I want to talk to those, don't raise your hand again, that maybe you've neglected this principle and you're having problems. Uh, Maybe you haven't admitted it, but you know it and you know it's overwhelming and you're wondering if there's ever any hope that you can ever dig out. I want to tell you, yes, there is. So I'm going to give you 10 steps. This is so practical. You may not feel the presence of the Lord as I'm sharing this, but it's biblical and it's true nonetheless. We, sometimes we just got to get practical. First step, number one, is start today. Right? Not tomorrow, not the next day. Significant change starts with a commitment. So, you know, make that decision. I'm starting today. Like, what is today? The 12th. So February 12th. We're starting today. I want to be debt-free. you got to make that commitment. That means instead of going to Applebee's for a steak and ribs... You go home and eat a sandwich. Or, or my wife, we have extra pasta that is in the refrigerator in there. Take some of it and take it home. Listen, like, before you go out the door, go into the kitchen. There's, like, pasta. Go home and cook it. We're not going to charge you anything for it, okay? But make that decision. Not Like I said, not tomorrow, not next week. Like, well, you know what? We had this plan. We were going to go to Disneyland and we're going to do this. No, make it today. Make that, if you don't do it today, how many of you know you're not going to do it? Right? It's just a reality. And it's not going to be easy. It's not, you know, it's not going to, you know, wake up one day and you're like, presto, all of my debt is gone. No. Getting in debt, have you guys noticed, is easy? It's kind of like getting fat is easy, right? All I got to do is think about a cheeseburger and it's like, man, I'm 10 pounds more. What's going on with that? But taking it off and getting out of debt, that's a challenge. It's going to take commitment. It's going to take courage. It's going to take care. You're going to have to actually discipline yourself in order to get out. So take that first difficult step and say, God, I'm getting out of debt. And I'm going to do whatever it takes in order to do that. And the moment you decide that, you're going to have to do this. Do a personal financial inventory. Because what I have found is when you are in a financial hole, you don't even want to think about money. Am I right? I don't even want to think about it. But you're going to have to figure out a few things. First of all, what do I own? And when I say what do I own, I'm not talking about what the bank owns and you're making payments on. What do I actually own? What is in my name? What is my possession? You need to know what that is. And secondly, you've got to figure out what do you owe. What are the things that I'm making payments on? Banks, credit cards, cards, whatever it may be. Uh, I've got to figure out what that is. And then you have to figure out how much money do I actually make. And I know some jobs it fluctuates, but what is your medium income? Not what you make before taxes, but what you actually bring home. How many of you know there's a difference? Government gets its share. You can't do anything about it. Uh, But you need to know what your bottom line is. Figure out next what are your fixed bills. What, uh, you know, you got to pay rent, right, or a mortgage, or if you have car. How many of you know you need gas? I know I was frustrated with a gas station, too. They wouldn't let me get it for free. There are fixed things that you have to buy, but then there's also these things that I can live without. And, and we talk about this all the time, but it's like we feel like there's a lot of things that are extras that we feel like are necessities. But when you're in a financial, when you're trying to dig yourself out, maybe you don't need as many subscriptions to uh, internet TV, right? Netflix, Hulu, YouTube, uh, let me see how many there are. Maybe you can cut that down a little bit, right? Maybe you don't need the high-speed, top-of-the-line internet. If you need it for work, that's different. We have conveniences, let's be honest, that we can live without. So you've got to figure out what are the true essentials that I have to have and what or not. An inventory is important because ignorance of your financial condition is a recipe for disaster. Right? If you don't want to talk about I don't want to talk about it. I don't like to talk about it. You know what? I don't like to talk about it either, but I'm up here doing it. Why? Because I want to see people walk in freedom. We need to know where our money's coming from. We need to know how much is coming in and going out. That, that is so easy If that were so easy, I mean, it's easy to, like I said, it's easy to understand. It's a little bit harder to do. 
Especially when you get in that tank. So you sit down, figure it out. You're not gonna, it's not going to be like, whoo, man, that was fun. <laughs> You're probably going to get in an argument over that. Am I right? So just prepare for the argument. Re- prepare to forgive the other person and, and work it out. You've got to hash it out. Proverbs 24 says this, By wisdom a house is built, and through understanding... It's established. I've got to understand what my real situation is. Proverbs 18, 13 out of the Living Bible. What a shame. Yes, how stupid to decide before knowing the facts. You can't get your finances in order if you don't know the facts. All right, so you've got to make that decision and, and, and get in there. Get the facts on your financial situation. After you make that commitment and done an inventory, number three, you might have to get some help. In Proverbs 18, uh, 20, uh, 20, 18, get advice if you want your plan to work. Right? This, is like, this is so practical, I'm telling you. Listen, if you get sick, what do we, who do we go to? Yeah, you're going to go to the doctor. I mean, if, if it's something major, you don't have to run to the doctor every moment. And, my, oh, and that's, that's a whole other issue. Anyway, but if you really have sickness, how many of you know you go to the doctor? If your car is broke and you don't know how to fix it, uh, where do you go? A mechanic. Listen, there's been some times my car is broken, I thought I could fix it, and then I really had to go to a mechanic. <laughs> right? So if, if it's, you go to who knows how to fix it, if you're lost, then what do you do? I mean, if you're a man, first of all, you keep trying to find it, but if you're a woman, you, find, you ask for directions. Am I right? If something's broke, you'll find, you've got to find somebody smarter than you in that area and have them help you. Like, I'm in a financial hole. I'm deep in debt. I need somebody smarter than me to help me come up with a plan to get out of this. Isn't that, you know, it's not, you're not going to get the, you know, the holy goose bumps from the Spirit. And, you know, but it's like, man, this is so real because when you get out of debt, some of you guys have been, out, you've been in it and you've been out of it. Man, there's nothing like it. It's like, ah, that debt is gone. Thank you, Jesus. So if you're in it, Find somebody. You should never make a fi- major financial decision without getting good financial help. Because how many of you, if you need a car and you go try out a car, how many of you know you fall in love with that car right away? Man, it feels so good, you know. It's not bumping around like my car. Air conditioner actually works in it. And, you know. And so what happens, those things, we get emotionally connected you need somebody in your life to say, hey, listen, that may be comfortable, but you can't afford it. Right? You need to put the brakes on that because that is way out of your budget and it's going to hurt you in the long run. Yeah, no pun intended, right? So, number four, get help. So, make and live by a budget. Hello, I've been hearing this all my life. I tried making a budget and it didn't work. How many of you know the budget didn't work? It's not the budget's fault, it's our fault, Amen. right? We can blame the budget, you just didn't do a good enough budget, and, and not only that, maybe it was like, oh, well, this came up and I wanted to do this, and it's like, well, you know what, I'm just going to fudge on the budget a little bit. Once you start that, it's all over, right? So, and, and again, I think I mentioned this earlier, plan for some fun in your budget. Uh, if you don't have any and you get so like, dogmatic, no, we're not going to do this, we're not going to do that, we're never going to eat out, we're never going to go to the movie, we're never going to go bowling, we're never going to do any of that. How many of you know you're not going to do that very long? That budget is blowing up. So, uh, so I need, uh, lip, make it, uh, oh, number four, five, set up a repayment plan. Uh, you're not going to get out of debt accidentally. I know some of these I'm kind of rehashing over, uh, but Proverbs 21.5 says, good planning and hard work lead to prosperity. Everybody say good planning. planning. Hard work work. leads to prosperity, right? If you want to be prosperous, you got to have a plan. You got to have a plan. If you want to get out of debt, it's going to take a plan. Listen, and not only that, you are going to need not just a plan, but you're going to need patience. Everybody say patience, right? I'm just trying to get this into our head because you can get on a plan, and if you, you, know, you manage, and I'm on this plan, and I'm halfway out of debt, right? and then you kind of lose your patience, how many of you know halfway out of debt is still in debt? No. All right? Paying off half your bill is only, you're still, you still owe. So we got to have patience to process all the way until, there, like I said, there is no quick fix. 
You're not going to get out of it overnight. You didn't get into debt overnight. How many of you know you're not getting out overnight? It's going to be a process. So patience and a plan. Number six, stop overspending. All right, I, how many of you remember, I think it was a Bob Newhart. He's like the stop it, S-T-O-P-I-T, stop it, All right? No new debt. That means, uh, you know, here's the thing. Most people get into debt for one reason, and I know that there's some exceptions, but most people get into debt because you simply spend more than you make, right? And you're like, Pastor Scott, how did you figure all this stuff out? <laughs> well, we've been down that road, and that's how, how many of you have learned about finances through the School of Hard Knocks, right? It's like, we've been there, we've learned it, we're still learning it. Uh, that's, it's really that simple, so stop it. Not now, not later. Here's something that you and I need to learn to say. Maybe if you've got a pen, write this down. I'm sorry, I can't afford that. <laughs> wow, those are some weird... Yeah. <laughs> that's some weird words to say. What do you mean? I got a credit card. I got $500 left on that. I can afford it. All right? I can. No, you can't. Let me just say, even though we struggled in our past, uh, I had a moment of clarity when we were first married and living in Hawaii in the military. Our daughter was only a few months old and the Kirby vacuum cleaner salesman came to our house. How many of you know how expensive a Kirby vacuum is, right? It was like $2,000 or something. I don't remember exactly, but uh, he came while my wife was at the house with our little baby girl and showing about how amazing that vacuum cleaner and brought the biggest pictures of the dust mite. You guys remember that? Yeah, the dust mite. Those things are hideous, you know. That's like a horror movie thing. And, And telling her, when you lay your little baby down in the bed, it is full of these dust mites. And they're just eating at the skin. Let me tell you, that's going to freak anybody out. And it's like, you know what? Somehow we've lived with dust mites for uh, thousands of years, and they haven't eaten anyone yet. But they could, could, right? Look at how ugly they are. And it was a big picture, wasn't it? It was like, I don't know what that was magnified, but the reality... Anyway... So she's like, well, I can't make any decision until my husband's home. So he came back when I got home, and these were the words he used. He goes, if I can make this affordable, would you buy it? And I'm like, well, yeah, if it's affordable. I mean, yeah, wouldn't you? If it's affordable. And he went through the whole sales pitch, the big scary picture, all of that. And, he's, and I'm like, well, how much is it? He wouldn't tell me how much it was. Right? How much is it? How much is it? You know, eventually we finally got to the bottom line. This is how much it is. But I can set you up a payment plan. $30 a month. Can you afford $30 a month? And I'm like, I remember saying, yes, I can afford $30 a month, but I can't afford a $2,000 vacuum. Because that $30 a month, we would have probably still been paying on it today, 30 years later. So had a moment of clarity. Yeah, those, those little bugs were gross looking, but it was like, I, we can't afford that. And I remember kind of jokingly thinking in my head, so I'm not going to list my assets as my car, my wife's wedding ring, and my vacuum cleaner. <laughs> I got some collateral. What do you got? I got a Kirby. <laughs> Sorry, I had to get on that tangent. But saying... I can't afford that. It's huge, right? If you, sometimes pride keeps us from saying that because we don't want to say that. If somebody asks you out to dinner and you don't have it in your budget, are we going to say, no, I'm sorry, I can't eat. It's not in my budget. Can we actually say that, right? Can we do that? I'm sorry, we can't, we can't go to the dinner and a movie. How many of you know going to a dinner and a movie right now, that's a budget item, <laughs> Especially if you want any kind of popcorn or drink out of that. I mean, you might have to take out a loan for that. So uh, better go rent a movie and uh, get a pizza, right? You go home. You're going to be able to get something for 20 bucks, right, if you get cheap pizza. Jesus said this, if your right hand offends you, what did he tell you to do? Was he talking about self-mutilation? No, he was saying, listen, deal seriously with the things that are affecting your life. And if your credit cards are affecting you and keeping you in debt, how many of you know sometimes we need to cut that off? 
We need to, and, and listen, it's not enough just to cut the card up. I know, it, you know, Dave, cut them up, cut them up. You already got the number memorized. It's saved in my, it's saved in my computer. You know what? I can just, no, you got to close that account. They'll send another one. They'll, yeah, they'll send you another one. You know what? I don't know what happened. My scissors and my credit card had an accident. I had a moment I wasn't really thinking, so can you send, here's you another one. And we'll increase your credit line on top of that, right? Sorry, I'm getting, I'm getting, uh, I'm having fun with this, so. Listen, I'm not against credit cards. I'm against the abuse of credit cards. And if you can't pay it off every month, if, if you can't not buy things that are in your budget, and, and maybe if you and your spouse say, listen, if we go one month not paying it, let's get rid of it. How many of you know if you do that, you'll never have a problem with credit cards? Number seven, increase your income. Yeah. <laughs> How do you do that? They're not going to. I asked for a raise and they wouldn't give me a raise. Well, how about this? Sell some stuff that you don't need or you don't use. Sell stuff, right? But that's my stuff, right? We we had a guy at one of our churches that always was in a financial issue and uh, needed this and he needed that. And I remember my wife was uh, like, cause "Here's the thing. He had I think it was five of those expensive gaming system." with a lot of games. He probably had several thousand dollars wrapped up in all of those games. And uh, she said, do you really need five of them? Why don't you sell one or two of them? You should have seen the shock on his face. <gasps> sell one of them? I can't. I, you know, it's like, you can play five games. No, but this one has this game, this one has this game, and this one has that game. I can't make it financially, but man, I've got this stuff. It's like, no, sell some stuff. Listen, how many of you know we should own stuff. Stuff shouldn't own us. Sometimes it's like, man, if I can't part, if God tells you sell something and you're like, oh God, I can't do that. I can't do that. How many of you know that's a good test that maybe that's an idol? All right. And what, is, what does Ezekiel say? Get rid of it. Right. Get rid. You would be amazed if something has got that much of a hold on you. If you'll just get rid of it, it's like, oh, I didn't need it anyway. Why was that why was that in my life? So here's another idea about increasing your income. Get a second job. Pastor Scott, I can't do that. I'm already working all these hours. You may think that's crazy. Listen, when I pastored in, in Texas, I worked as a substitute teacher, and not only that, I rode on a bus as a bus monitor. And let me tell you, that's a miserable job. I'm just gonna say. <laughs> You got all of these kids out of, I mean, the morning wasn't bad because they were all still asleep, but come afternoon, they are wired, and we were on a country route, and they're like throwing paper, and they're crazy, and I'm having to keep control. Not only that, it was in the Texas heat. I don't know if you know, 100 degrees outside means 150 inside a bus. But I did it because we needed the extra money. When we got to Chico, my wife was the yard narc at one of the schools, uh, drove around on one of the little carts. Hey, you quit. what are you doing out of class? What are you doing here? So, uh, get, you know, last week I told you how we hosted international students. That was really a second job for us. We had to get them to school. We had to make sure they had food. She had, I mean, it was a different type of thing. But with that extra jobs, we were able to pay off debt, actually have a savings account that had more than $10 in it. How many of you had one of those savings accounts before? What do you got in your savings? I got $10 in there. It's actually costing me to keep money in my bank, right? So... Uh, Get it, get that, and actually, when you get that income, pay off debt, right? Don't like, oh man, now I can go buy a boat, right? Now I can get that other car. No, pay off debt, right? Amen. So, <laughs> number eight, be accountable. Be accountable. Plans fail due to a lack of accountability. If you don't have to answer to anybody, how many of you know you're probably not going to stick with your plan? That's why if you have an advisor, keep them in there. Give them, uh, this is huge. Give them permission to ask you the tough questions. Don't ask me nothing. Don't hold me accountable to nothing. Nobody wants to be held accountable to anything, do we? But if you want to get out of debt, be accountable, right? If you can't be, if you're, you and your spouse can't do it, you need to bring somebody else in. Number nine, don't quit. Again, just halfway out of debt is not out of debt. Galatians gives us a great verse that applies to so many areas of our life. Let us not get tired of doing what is right, 
for after a while we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't get discouraged and give up. Keep on. You're paying it off. And it's like, but it seems like it's taken so long. Yes, it might seem like it takes so long, but guess what? There is an end of the road. If you really focus and double down on it and say, God, I don't want this anymore in my life, you may have to sacrifice. You're going to have to discipline yourself. It's going to take time, but you're going to get to the other side. Amen? These principles that I'm telling you, they work, but guess what? You've got to work the principles. You've got to do it. You've got to be patient. You've got to celebrate victories along the way. Like if you pay off one of the uh, cards, uh, celebrate, but not by saying, hey, listen, we paid it off. Let's go to dinner and charge another something else on it. All right? So don't, don't, don't do that. I mean, uh, Pastor Colleen and I, we talked about it. So this, uh, three years ago, we, had, we, had been dro- we drove our daughter's car while she was a missionary in Prague. We made the payments on it. And she's like, well, if you don't need to, uh, we can just sell it. But we're like, when you come back, you're going to need a car. So we drove her car. We had our van. That was our second. That was mainly the main car that we used. She came back three years ago, just before the pandemic. She got her car, and all of a sudden, we didn't have that car, right? So we needed to get another car. We ended up going, and we had we didn't buy. You know, if you buy a new car, that's fine with you. We bought one new car in our life, and we'll never do it again, right? Because so we thought, okay, we need another car. We knew what our budget. We could have afforded to get another one, right? We would have made the payment, but it's like, no, we got a car, our Toyota that we have, uh, three years old. It was a three-year-old car and a five-year loan. Uh, but we get our tax return this Wednesday, and guess what? And in less than three years, we're paying that thing off. That's a celebration. How how did you do that? Because we didn't want to carry the debt for five years. We didn't want it to keep being our, and so we paid extra. We paid a little extra. So now that we got it paid off, then we're going to celebrate and buy something else. No, I'm kidding. That's not a new car, right? No, when we paid our van off, listen, we still have our van, and we'll have that van as long as it doesn't cost us more to maintenance it than it does to get something else, right? So we're hanging on to that puppy. Don't celebrate by buying something else. Pay off something else, right? And if you sell something, you know, like I said, it, it, here's the thing. Let me just get back on this. It doesn't, why does this matter so much? Why is this whole topic that we're talking about? I, I've already shared that, but I don't want you to be a slave. Amen. We don't know what our economy is going to do. We don't know what the future is going to hold. We can't put all of our trust in the stock market and, oh, everything's going to be like that. Listen, we've got to get out. We got to get out of that thumb. I want you to be free. I believe that's what God has called us to do, uh, so that when God does respond and God does say, "Hey, listen, I want you to help this person out. I want you to do this." Hey, we're taking a freedom to actually do it. Hallelujah. How many of you know that's God's heart? Not like God. I'd like you to use me. If you can use anyone, use me, Lord. Even though I've got this big boulder of debt. No, God wants us to be free. And so all of the energy, all of the concern, all of the heartache that, that, that has gone into our debt will be used for the kingdom of God. All right? That's what God wants to do. Can you imagine how much you'd be able to give if you didn't have that other weight? Can you imagine how much you'd be able to slave if you're no longer a slave to debtors? You really can be free. We just got to say yes, Lord. And number 10, uh, wrap it up. Ask God to forgive you for being a poor steward. And I'm just going to say, because, you know, I shared this with the first service. We got into credit card debt. Nobody really told us. I mean, we, we, everybody understands credit cards, right? Like, you buy stuff that you can't afford. Isn't that it? <laughs> That's not what it's supposed to be. It was like, buy something, I can pay for it later. We got ourselves into credit card debt because we never really learned this issue as, as young people. We won, you know, this one time we finally got out of credit card debt and then something happened. We blinked, we needed something, and we were back in it. It's been well over 10 years since we've had any kind of credit card debt. Because the first time we got out, I thought, oh, I'm not doing this ever again. And then we ended up doing it, and it was like after the second time, it's like, Lord, we don't want to be in debt to that anymore. And so it is poor stewardship to carry that. And sometimes we not just address the financial issue, we've got to address the spiritual issue of, God, I've put other things before you. 
I wanted this, and I wanted that, and I, I, oh, I had to have this, right? This was a necessity. Listen, sometimes we just don't manage what God has given us. I think the, the, the principle in God's Word is true. If we are faithful with the little that God has given us, that means we may have to do without stuff. That means we may have to delay stuff. If we do that, then God's going to put us in charge of more. It's just a reality. So we need to start. Ask for forgiveness. Say, Lord, I'm sorry that I have not handled what you've given me well. But God, today, I want to make that step. And listen, if you're married, and you, this is bonus one right here, okay? If you're married and you've been hiding this from your spouse, it's time that you have a talk. It's time that you deal with it. And say, listen, we've got, if, if you're riding home with your spouse and they say, I got something to talk to you about, just get ready. Ready with forgiveness, but ready to deal with it. Amen? Amen? You're like, Pastor Scott, why are you spending a whole message about debt? Because this is a huge issue in people's life. Too many marriages have been ruined. Too many families have been ruined. Too much stress that people are carrying over things that they don't have to. And so I know some of you guys have a testimony. You're like, well, I'm not in debt. Thank God I've already learned that lesson. Praise God for that. I had some people come up to me in first service that I thought they have never had a problem with debt. And they were telling me after, oh, man, you would not believe. And I'm like, yeah, it's so freeing to be out of that. And God can use you when he says go. You're like, well, I can't go because I got this. But you know what? When you cut that chain, man, God can use you in amazing ways. So can I have everybody stand? Don't miss next week because that's going to be number three. It's really important that we get this because God has got more for you and I than we can ever imagine. And we need to cut the ball and the real ball and chain off. So uh, listen, if you need prayer, I know we've got our, our prayer counselors. They'll, they'll come up and pray for you. And uh, maybe you just say, it, you can come up. If you need, I need help to get uh, financially free. You can tell them that. Or you can just say, hey, pray for me. I'm, I'm making a commitment. Maybe you just need a touch. I'm not telling you what, but if you need prayer, if you need God to touch you physically, there's opportunity to come up. And uh, yeah, Jim, Delton and Janet, can you guys come up as well? Uh, we're just going to take a moment. And uh, I see my wife out there on your way out to grab some pasta. So, <laughs> Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. As we uh, close with this song. We just want to take a few minutes. We don't want to rush what the Lord wants to do in your life. I believe God's going to set some people free. It starts with a decision.